A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long teams with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a a balance between I believe you have to know Christ, but God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. Radio to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3, 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king, who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing. And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples, but we take what he's created and we turn him into idols. I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog. This is episode 68, and I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. So we are back on track with our friends from Sense Unscripted. They are back making their Faith and Beliefs video, and it seems to be back to one a week. We missed one there, but then we got a bonus one. and So, you know, time has righted itself, and, and all is good in the universe, I guess so but we are back with them and i'm actually really excited about this particular episode because again sometimes i'm amazed that they're actually willing to tackle some of these topics that they talk about but um they're hitting they're they're trying to um justify some of the the worst teachings i mean last week we got uh brigham young and the blood atonement thing this week, David is going to jump into the whole, uh, you know, Lorenzo Snow couplet, uh, as God, as man is God once one as as God is man may become, um, you know, deification of man, call it what you want, exaltation, uh, Mormons believe that they can become gods one day. And today, David is going to try to convince us that that is a truly big 
biblical uh, concept, which it is not, and we will we'll talk about that and we'll break it all down. But first, let's go ahead and let David do what David do. And here he is to begin to talk about can Mormons become gods? Hey guys, so yes, Latter-day Saints absolutely believe that through the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ, we mortals have the potential to one day after this life become like God. He's crazy. From the outside looking in this idea... Okay, remember what I said many times. Those little cartoon clips, those little funny clips are intended to lighten the, the blow of the blasphemous uh, doctrine. It's literally what it is. If they can hit you with a little bit of laughter immediately after uh, telling you, you know, it's the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down, right? It's Mary Poppins. It's, it's a wonderful little thing. Um, but I just, as listening to what he said, the infinite atonement uh, of Jesus Christ, they can become gods. But was the atonement really that infinite? Because there are so many works that have to be done to to get there that it's not based on his atonement it's it's what he did and your work in the temple and your and maybe i'm getting a little ahead of myself but um and we just had last week that brigham young the second prophet was like well there are things that jesus's uh atonement doesn't cover so how is it infinite and you even david i mean talked about the uh the unforgivable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and you know, but it's infinite atonement, but not, right? Idea might sound wildly arrogant, but please understand that we believe this concept, also known as deification or theosis, is only possible through the atonement and grace of Jesus Christ. It's not possible any other way. Lorenzo Snow coined a well-known couplet: "As man now is, God once was; as God now is." man may be. Little has been revealed about the first half of this couplet, and consequently little is taught. But the second half has become one of our most fundamental doctrines, and that's what we're going to talk about in this video. This whole concept of theosis isn't a new idea. For example, think about what these Bible verses mean in the context of becoming like God. Christ's divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature and becoming the divine nature are, are different things. I can partake of something without becoming that. Um, you know, I can partake of the divine nature without ever becoming a God. Yeah, and we'll get to the scriptures that, that clearly point out that this is not possible. Even through the atonement and grace of Christ, there are, there are uh, attributes of God that we call incommunicable that are not shared with anybody, any human being. We, I mean, God has communicable uh, traits. Um, you know, he's a, he's a communicating being, so we communicate. Um, 
He is a creative being, so we have the ability to, to be creative. There are those things that intelligence and, and so on that God has these traits that he's given to us, but he also has those traits that he does not share with anybody, and that is omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience, you know, the omnis, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the, the uh, you know, um, all-present God does not share those with anybody and so those are the incommunicable uh, attributes of God and so to be partakers of divine nature does not mean we become gods the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together okay and now this one's a little tougher um, but still, when you put back into context, this is not about becoming gods. This is about salvation. This is about inheriting eternal life to be, to be with God, but not to become God. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. As okay, and again, this is not saying, this means that we are there. But it doesn't mean we become these all-powerful, creative beings and get to go populate our own worlds and do this. None of this carries over to that idea that we literally become all-powerful beings. Because, again, that would mean that God at one time, as they have expressed, was not an all-powerful being. And thus, he, as we look at some of the statements that, that God makes about himself, he would be a liar. As non-Latter-day Saint Norman Russell wrote, it is becoming less necessary in the English-speaking world to apologize for the doctrine of deification. At one time, it was regarded as highly esoteric or mystical if it was admitted to be Christian at all. In recent years, a succession of works on deification in individual fathers from Irenaeus to Maximus the Confessor has confirmed the patristic basis of the doctrine. Okay, now some of this doctrine was was dealt with in different councils and so on. So just because, I mean, and I love how that, well, non-Mormon person says this, we can look back at if anybody who taught the doctrine of deification was heretical. Now, whether they were just across the board heretics, but this has always been recognized as a heretical teaching from the earliest portions of the church, the doctrine of deification is, is a heresy. From some of those early church fathers, we read, God became man so that man might become God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, through his transcendent love, became what we are so that he might bring us to be even what he himself is. What man is, Christ was willing to be so that man may also be what Christ is. God made us so that we might become partakers of the divine nature and sharers in his eternity, and so that we might come to be like him through deification by grace. God has created all things that man may be saved and deified. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. And the quotes go on. Now, that's not to say that these early fathers all would agree with each other or us today about what exactly deification entails. But exactly. There, there was there was not a consensus and so 
again, we get all these little things, but then we don't get the explanation. So some of these guys may have just had a, an off-the-wall idea of what being glorified is, or they could have been outright heretics. We don't know. I mean, it would take a lot of study to go in to figure out each and every one. I could do that. I mean, if you really want me to, but I'm not in the next five minutes. So, um, but yeah, it, it just, there, there was no real consensus on what deification was. And so, but it was it gener- the, where the consensus came, where the, the majority agreement was, was that it was a heretical teaching that man may not become God. But over time, this general idea faded into the background. One reason would be that in the early church, ideas about the nature of God and his creations evolved, widening the gulf between our being and God's being. That's not true. That is not, it didn't evolve. And, you know, I mean, you can look at Joseph Smith's teachings about God from the beginning to the end of his ministry time, and you can see an evolution of how he believed in God. But these creeds and so on, they go back to what the earliest teachings and the biblical teaching about God are. There was no evolution in that separated God and man. There was always that separation there. When you go back to the scripture and we'll look at a few of them, there was also always a, a huge gap between creator and creation. In other words, people eventually thought this idea of theosis was like believing an apple could one day become an orange. It's starting to evolve! Latter-day Saints believe the difference between man and God is significant, but it is one of degree, not kind. It is the difference between an acorn and an oak tree, a rosebud and a rose, a son and a father. We truly do believe that we are created in the likeness and image of God. Thus, we'd agree with the Gospel of Philip in the Nag Hammadi scriptures. A horse sires a horse. A man begets man. A God brings forth a God. Okay. One... You've already got the, the, the contradiction here. A horse sires a horse. A man begets man. And a God brings forth a God. Okay, one, this is a, this is a Gnostic gospel that no one consider, no one even thinks was truly written by Philip. But here's another problem. If God brings forth a God, God created man, therefore man can become God. God created the horse. Does that mean the horse becomes God? Because God created the horse. Now, see the problem? God created the cow. Cow creates cow, horse creates horse. We suddenly, we lose, we make the category error when we get to God creates a God. So man, even though man begets man, but now we're going man becomes God. That would mean horse becomes God, cow becomes God, cat becomes God. Because God created all those things. Maybe that's why we read in Psalms, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. If you're my father, that would make me a... A god. We believe each of us is born with the seed of divinity within us. C.S. Lewis wrote, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which you would be strongly tempted to worship. 
There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Now, naturally, people have some concerns about this teaching. For example, Tad Callister posed the question, is God impaired, degraded, lessened, or dethroned because he has given to others the capacity to become like him? His response, one's capacity to honor and worship is magnified with one's intellectual, emotional, cultural, and spiritual enlightenment. Accordingly, the more we become like God, the greater our ability to pay him homage. In that process of lifting men heavenward, God simultaneously multiplies his own honor and thus is honored more, not less. Some wonder if this doctrine of theosis implies that we want to replace God. And the answer to that is no! Just because a son grows to be a father does not mean he no longer has a father of his own. He's right. Others wonder if this belief makes Latter-day Saints polytheistic. If there are other gods somewhere in the cosmos in addition to our heavenly parents in Jesus Christ, they are of absolutely no concern to us. They don't affect us in any way and we have nothing to do with them. We believe God wants us to learn the things he knows and do the things he does. That's what we think eternity is for. That's going to sound like the height of blasphemy to some people, to others, it sounds like the height of worship. Is there a greater way to praise God than to follow in his footsteps? Is there anything more rewarding for God than raising us up to become like him? Now, there's so much more we could say about this topic, but we'll save it for another time. Check out the stuff in the description and on our website for more info, and have a great day. All right, so now we get to break into some scripture and really talk about some of this stuff and break it down. So ultimately, here's the thing. Isaiah, if we get into it, Isaiah writes, 43.10, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Now again, if this is true, if this doctrine of deification is true, Isaiah means God is a liar. And when they talk about, well, are we, we, these other gods we don't have anything to do with, doesn't change the fact that they are there. We don't have anything to do with them, but yet they're there, and that would mean God's a liar. Well, no, he's just talking about, no, he has clearly said that there will be, no God was formed before him, so he did not come from a God. He did not live a life to become a God. He did not come from a God, and none will be formed after him. No one else is going to become gods. And if you cannot get this, that understand that the doctrine of deification literally calls God a liar. And why would we worship someone who is willing to lie to us? I mean, I'm not even at this point willing to work for a manager that lied to me. Right? Why would I why would I worship a God that lied to me that says there is no other gods? You know Isaiah forty four six. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of Hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. But we don't have anything to do with them. We don't. If they are there, you literally just said that that this is what happens. God became God as he was so once a man. And so that would ultimately lead to the fact that you have admitted that there are other gods. You are absolutely polytheistic. There's no way around it. You can try to explain it and use a little bit of, uh, you know, verbal acrobatics there, but it still doesn't change the fact that you are absolutely polytheistic. And when you break it down and you look at the, the King Follett, Doc, uh, sermon that Joseph Smith gave 
to say that we don't want to replace him. Joseph Smith literally says it. He says, I shall pre, uh, the, let me back up. My father worked out his kingdom with fear and trembling, and I must do the same. This is Joseph Smith quoting from the King Follett. And when I get my kingdom, I shall present it to my father, so that he may obtain kingdom upon kingdom, and it will exalt him in glory. He will then take a higher exaltation, and I will take his place. Well, he's going to get a high, we're not. No, Joseph Smith literally said his goal was to replace God. He was going to take his place. Well, God moved on to some. Well, now you're admitting into polytheism that there are other gods that are out there. And so God is a liar. And that is not God. Period. To any, at any point to, uh, to explore the doctrine of deification is to commit blasphemy, is to commit heresy, and it is absolutely false. And that is where Jesus will say to you in that last day, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. My Mormon friend, run. This doctrine alone should cause you just looking at two verses in Isaiah should cause you to go, do I worship a God who would lie to me? And am I willing to worship a God who would lie to me about the other gods that are out there that were before him and come after him and so on? And can that God save me? And the answer is no. Any God who is willing to lie to you, I mean, it's literally the lie that Satan gave Adam and Eve in the garden. That if you will eat this fruit, you will be like him. And God said, uh, no. Sorry. The God who would lie to you about this cannot save you. My Mormon friend, run. Get out. Find a Bible-believing church that can teach you the true God who is God from beginning to end who never had a God before him, who will never uh, allow a God after him, who is the, the, the ultimate creator of all things, and who gave his son to bear the penalty for sin so that if you would repent and put your trust in him, that he will forget, be faithful to forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life, not exalted life, eternal life with him not an exalted life on another planet creating your own planet and being your own god eternal life with him that's the gospel and christian you need to preach that gospel at all times and use words as they're necessary until next time soli deo gloria mm-hmm.